Good morning, church. It's all about kids this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know, let me say, let me do this first. For those of you watching online, welcome. It's an honor to have you join us. If you're in the room today, like Melanie said, if the grandkids drug you here, um, that's, that's good with me. We got you here just so we could love on you and have you a part of our service. It's an honor that you would be a part. Don't worry about the babies. It's music to my ears. So y'all don't worry about that. Don't bother me. I love having the babies in here. And, um, but I wanted to tell you real quick, the video you watched was from Children's Cup. Children's Cup is the organization that we work with in, yeah, she's, she's speaking up, um, in Honduras, and uh, that was uh, Dan Olerking and his wife Vicky was not in the video, but they're the executive directors, and they just sent us a video just to say thank you. Some of those kids in, that, in those clips were the kids that we sponsor. Um, for those of you who have been there, you may have recognized a couple of them. And um, I just wanted to say thank you um, for them and then thank, say thank you for me. Um, I just don't know that we realize, um, or I can help you realize the impact you're having on a little village, a little area in Honduras called Soto Guada that is, um, tells people nobody thinks about us, nobody cares about us. And in 2022, you guys help buy them land that they're going to have a permanent place, a permanent building. And the trip that we had to cancel in November for the guys, we're rescheduled. We're head out January the 30th, and we'll be going back down there to do some work. And then coming in January, we'll be announcing our, our June trip, which is a co-ed trip. So if you have any interest in going, just keep your ears out. Um, we'll be going back in June to go see the kids. And um, they, they get excited about us coming. They get excited about um, us being part of, of their world. And so thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for being so, so giving and open, not only here in the States, but um, you're making a difference all over the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to jump in and get started this morning. Um, but I do have one question for you, and that's this. If you weren't here last week, this doesn't make sense to you. If you were here, this makes sense to you. But who did you give your cup to? We gave out, I think, over 200-something uh, BC coffee mugs that were full of some delicious chocolate chip cookies. Um, you shouldn't know they were delicious because if you do, that means you ate them and you weren't supposed to. So shame on you. Um, <laughs> who did you give them to? Who did you invite to join you for Christmas? Like Melanie said, there's a lot of people that just don't have anywhere to go and call a church home. And that there's people out there that need to know they're loved and they're welcome here to come, not just celebrate Christmas, but to come be around people who aren't perfect. We just serve a perfect God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, the, the kids were singing this Christmas carol this morning, uh, Hark the Herald. Um, and we all know it. But have you really thought about it? Do you really think about some of the words we sing? Um, I had all, Christmas music playing in my office last week, and somehow Spotify started mixing in like secular artists. And I didn't think it. I just, they were... Good Christmas carols, but then it got to one, and it was like, I don't remember that being in the Christmas story, you know, like what me and my baby did last night, and you know, the, it was it was like foul, and I was like, what is this? And I realized the the Spotify had inserted the music in there, and um, but it got me to think, and I don't think we really listened to the 
carols that we sing. For instance, did you know this? That Hark the Herald um, was actually written by a guy named Charles Wesley, who was the brother of John Wesley. If you don't know who John Wesley is, John Wesley was the one that basically started the Methodist denomination. In that, his brother Charles decided he wanted to help people who were illiterate, who couldn't read, which was a bulk of the people back in like 1789, I think it was, it was written. And he, um, he wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And it was actually written as a poem. And it wasn't until many, many years later that um, it was modernized in like the 1850s and music was put to it. See, the verse 1 of that song tells, tells of God's reconciliation to bringing us together. Verse 2 of the song tells of Jesus, fully God and man, coming to earth. And verse 3 tells about Jesus' life given a substitute for our sin. You see, I said last week that as we begin to study this, that we forget that the herald, when you say hark the herald angels sing, it just means a big announcement. And what was the announcement? That was the angel announcing to the shepherds, hey, your Savior's here. It was, and it's, this means a lot more when you begin to think about this. The angel that God sent, was the angel Gabriel, the messenger, was sent not to the high class, not to the religious perfect, but was sent to shepherds in a field. Considered at the time one of the lowest classes, one of the lowest groups of people. They were considered actually dirty. That they were, necess- they were a necessary evil because we had to have somebody watch our sheep and it might as well be them. We own all the sheep. They just take care of them. And that was who it was given to. It was, it was made to people who otherwise said it wasn't, wasn't worth it. And I said this last week that in, in the Bible, in the story of Jesus, the angel appeared to three different people, actually two people in a group, to Joseph, to Mary, and he appeared to the, to the shepherds. And the shepherds were, again, considered not good. They were considered not good enough for God. Jew, there you go. Thank you. They got it back up for me. Good job, guys. Jews considered the shepherds not good enough. Not just good enough for them, but not good enough for God. And that's who the Bible tells us that this, this heralding of our Savior was coming. Not only were they considered not good enough, that their, their mere occupation, the fact that they were touching the animals and all the stuff animals do, and help, they were birthing animals, all the stuff that anybody raising sheep would do, according to Jewish law, made them unclean. Basically, that meant they couldn't go to church. They couldn't go where God was because they were considered unclean and we can't let you in here. It kept them out of the temple to worship. We're going to read the story here in Luke chapter 2. It says, that night there were shepherds, and I highlighted it for you, staying in the field. They stayed there. It wasn't just like they popped in when they were on shift. They stayed with these sheep all the time. In the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. They were working. They were doing their job, trying to make a living. Then it says, suddenly. And I've heard all kinds of sermons on suddenly. But suddenly, no matter what, Translation, you look at it in, no matter what old, the original text you bring it out of, it just means boom. All right, everybody wake up. And it's that. 
But for anybody who, and I say this to somebody who does enjoy hunting, anybody ever been hunting late and walking out of the woods and somebody's not following the rules, so well after dark you hear kaboom and you might have to change your underwear? That's the kind of suddenly that it is. It's that there was no expectation, there was no warm-up to it. It just hit and happened. And the Bible said that these, these shepherds were out there in the field. And, the, and then, it's, then the other thing we miss is this, the radiance. So there's the bang, the boom, the I'm here. If you've ever been in the dark, the dark woods and somebody shines a flashlight in your face, how much can you really see? It just completely blinds you. So the Bible says that the radiance of God's glory surrounded them. And rightly so, they were what? terrified. They were, well, again, if they had drawers, they were probably having to change them. I would, right? Look what it goes on to say. It says, but the angel reassured them. Here's where we take this series from. One version says, fear not. This version says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. See, this would have been odd to them because nobody ever brought them good news. The only time they would see anybody is when they were in trouble. When some of the sheep got away or some of the sheep were killed or a wolf got them or somebody stole them, they would come out and harass them. And tell them how, how unvaluable they are, how worthless they are. But here are the angels telling them, listen, I bring you good news that's going to bring joy to who? Some people? Just a few of people? No, it says, all, it says all people. And it says, yes, the Savior, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. I said this last week and I'll say it again today. I think we can probably identify more with last week, Joseph and Mary and the situation they were in. And then this week... The shepherds, more than we can really, uh, more than we really understand, that in the field in the middle of the night, this angel shows up. It's probably not, probably not what they were thinking he was going to bring. They were probably thinking more along the lines of, "What have I done wrong?" It's like when the boss shows up at work unexpectedly, right? Most of us, you don't think. Ooh, he's coming to give me a kudos and give me a, a raise. And you think, uh-oh, what did we do? Like the boss just showed up. So the, the shepherds were not thinking this is a good thing. They're thinking, you know, we've angered God somehow and he's going to let us have it. Or you think this, God doesn't care, or they're thinking this, God doesn't care about us. He didn't care about people like us. Because see, the shepherds, again, were trying, they were trying to do their job and they weren't used to having somebody come to them, they were reminded often that for you to come be one of us, you have to be clean, you have to be perfect, you have to have your life right, you have to have everything in order. You have to have your life so perfect that when you say to your kids, go to bed, they nicely say, yes, ma'am, and then they walk to bed. How many kids do that? Nobody's. How many of you have your life so perfect that you can't point to one thing that's just a little bit off? Because the Bible says, according to the law in the Old Testament, you couldn't go into the temple if you were unclean, if you were imperfect. And that could be simply by something you've done or simply by touching someone. Or let me tell you this. It could also be by somebody coming and touching you. No fault of your own. Somebody touches you that's unclean. They said, well, you're unclean. You're out. That's what the shepherds were used to living to. That's why they stayed where they were. They weren't perfect. See, the truth is religion didn't work for them. 
they couldn't be a religious people because they, could, they had no hope of fulfilling any of the rules. I'm never going to be clean. I'm never going to smell good. I'm always going to smell like sheep. I'm always going to smell like I've been in a field for weeks at a time because that's just where I am. But see, when the angel shows up, he was looking and bringing something that was different. He wasn't look, talking about religion. He was talking about relationship. Amen, see, he wanted to say, hey, guys, you've got hope. Look at the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, it says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because Jesus made us friends. Jesus said, I'm going to come do what I need to do so that man and God can have a relationship. So he, what he's telling the shepherds is, on that quiet night in the field, God showed up that his son was here, the Messiah's arrival. Not to who, and he wasn't there, he didn't go to the people that we would think he would go to. In our context today, it's like, well, if God's going to send this message, he's going to go to the pastor, he's going to go to the the Billy Grahams of the day, or the, the big name people, they're the ones that God's going to show, show up to and, and send his angel. But see, on this night, the shepherds who knew no hope had no hope unless grace and mercy was given to them. And the Bible says that the angel showed up and to them proclaimed what we just read in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. He says, hey, I'm bringing you good, no good news that will bring great joy to all people. Again, to them, that would have been, wait a minute, we get to be a part of this? God, you actually care about me, my, my, my problems, my issues? So what was the news and why would God bring, why would it bring everybody? Again, this had to intrigue the shepherds because the shepherds would have had no idea of hope outside of their field, hope outside of life. I don't know about you, but again, I think this is how we can identify with them because there are a lot of us now in the room with a smile on our face, but if we're honest, we're struggling with hope. Or the hope we confess is, I hope I make it through Christmas. I hope I make it to 2023. I hope life doesn't fall apart. I hope the bad stays away, which is really not hope. It's just, it's fear re-expressed. You're afraid of what's coming. Your hope is actually being expressed in, in fear. Some of us feel like the shepherds do. You feel unworthy, unloved, and inadequate. Like, I can't, God can't love me. He doesn't know where I've been. I celebrate Christmas, but you think about what I did the week before Christmas. God's, God doesn't come to me. He's not bringing me good news See, the law left no room for failure, and that's what the shepherds would have known. No room for anything less than perfect. Nothing they could do would make them acceptable to God. And the Bible even says that without Jesus in Romans chapter 3, that for no one can ever be made right by doing what the law commands. The law simply does one thing, and you've had people like this in your life. I have. Anybody in your life that they're, like, their one mission in, in life is to tell you where you're wrong? I'm the only one? Y'all know somebody like that. Now, if you're not saying it because they're sitting next to you, I get it. You know, or you're married to them. I get that. <laughs> That's not me. She'd never do that to me. But the Bible says that the law just simply is a measuring stick that says, hey, you're never going to add up to this. 
You're never going to make it. You're never going to get there. And it says the law simply shows us how sinful we are. You see, announcing the birth of Jesus to the shepherds was a perfect picture of grace and mercy being, being demonstrated and given to people who didn't deserve it. Presented to a group who couldn't help themselves, who really had no way out of the job and the life and the situation they're in. They were facing a future without hope. But then the angel shows and says, no, that's not how God operates. He wants to know you. Paul says this. Paul goes on in, in Romans 3 there. It says that we're made right with God by placing our faith. But then he goes and says this. But now God, go, go back one more. Change it before I can read it. There we go. But now God has shown us a way to be made right. And then it says, without what? See, the, the shepherds would have think, well, great, you're going to show us a way, but if we can't do this, then we can't do that. And the Bible says, no, 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 you're missing it. What's coming is the Messiah is the Savior, and the Savior is coming. The Bible says, Jesus said, I fulfilled the law. No, and Gabriel, I think they had more of a conversation. We make it into a herald, but I tend to think the angel told him what he needed, told him, and said, hey, listen, guys, this is going to work for you because... This guy, this guy, Jesus, is the Son of God. He's going to come answer this question that you can't answer. He's going to pay the bill that you can't pay. He's going to let you get out of this field and come have a relationship with God. Better yet, he's going to send his Holy Spirit to you, and you can have a relationship with God right where you are, right here in this field. Hope they would never have had before. And it, it goes on to say in the next verse that we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. And this was true for... Say that with me. It was true for... See, that's hard for some of us to believe. Believe that, I, that I'm valued. I have worth. See, the good news is simply this. It's God doing what He promised. That we aren't hopeless. We aren't forgotten. We are not too far gone. So in the story, the shepherds hear all this, and, the, and I think they picked up their stuff and took off running. The Bible says, the Bible says they were told where the, where the baby would be. They get up and they take off. They head to see Jesus, the promise, the good news, the God, God in flesh. Let's see, we do nativity scenes and we do... I know um, First Christian does a great job at doing a live nativity scene. I think theirs is this Saturday night, I believe, um, with Pastor Jay at First Christian. So go check that out. And we, we look at this representation. But what I don't know that anybody can capture is what it actually was looking into the face of that baby. Now, y'all got some doggone cute babies. There's about nine or ten of them here today. They're all ador adorable. And I, I know as moms and dads, you can look into their eyes and you get lost in their face and their eyes and what are they thinking and, wow, he looks like me, she looks like me. But I don't know that we can fully understand what the shepherds and the people there walk in and see this particular baby, Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, and look him in the eyes because the Bible says when you see me, you're looking into my literal name is love. My literal name, I'm grace and I'm mercy. 
And the shepherds would have walked in and looked and seen the value that they had to God. Because everybody else said they were worthless. Everybody else said, You'll, yeah, yeah, you may, you may get saved, you, you may do a few good things, but you're never going to be like this. You're never going to rise to this level. You're not capable. You're not worthy of that. But the shepherds, I think, looked in and saw the same value that God puts on them that we understand it's the same value He places on us. But if, if you can, in your mind, put yourself in their shoes of going into that manger and looking in and, and seeing that baby, the Bible says they literally were looking at the face of God. Jesus was fully man, but He was also fully God. He contained everything that they had. So on that... On that silent night, Jesus was born. God's showing up in your life. Ushers, you can do your thing. But in that silent night, and this just happened to work. It's good. It's dark. A lot of us are sitting in a silent night, not by choice and not for a good thing. We're sitting in a silent night because we feel like nobody cares. You're in a dark place that life's not going well, this Christmas can't go well, my life's not well, my marriage's not well, my, my kids aren't well, nothing's well. And the silence is just roaring loud. That you're in a place with feeling like there's no hope. But this is my wish for you this Christmas. There's some of you who've known God a long time and you've looked and gotten to know God's face and a a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. And some of you have maybe forgotten what that was like. But God's never going to ram His way in. He's never going to force you. I think we forget in the story of the shepherds that there was the suddenly and there was the bright, but God never commanded, the angel never commanded and then like forced them to do anything. They got excited and went to see Jesus' face. But I want to read this verse to you in Matthew chapter 12. This is out of the message paraphrase version. The guy that wrote it wrote it so his family could read it and just put in basically in, in modern simple English. In Matthew it says this, that he's not going to yell at you. God's not going to scream He's not going to raise his voice. And then it says this. He's not going to get pushy. He won't push you into a corner. So you have no choice. Now he'll let you make your own decision and put yourself in a corner. But God didn't put you there. Before you know it though, the Bible says when you acknowledge him, when they acknowledge, hey, I'm looking at the face of God. This is, I'm looking at how God values me enough to send his son to earth he won't push you in a corner before you know it the Bible says justice will triumph that the mere sound of his name will signal hope and if you take anything away this week as we go into the craziness of celebrating Christmas I'm sure you've already been to parties and, and been to parties that had nothing to do with Christmas watch Christmas movies that had nothing to do with Jesus. 
But I'm challenging you as we come back on Christmas Eve or whether you come Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, that this week my prayer is that you find hope. That hope return to you. That you celebrate Christmas, celebrate Jesus' birth, and that you find that hope. For some of you, it may be rediscovering hope. You may be rediscovering the thing that that you felt long ago when you looked into the face of Jesus. And then for some of you this morning in the room, and maybe you're online, maybe this hope you need now because you're hopeless. You're realizing, I can't do this by myself. I can't pay my bill of sin and get to heaven. I can't fix things. I just need a Savior who can. When the Bible says when the angel showed up and suddenly proclaimed what he was doing to them was saying, hey guys, guess what? Your bill's paid. Hey guys, guess what? You do have hope. You do have a future. Hey guys, guess what? God doesn't care what you smell like, look like, feel like. He doesn't care what you did last night. He doesn't care all the things you've done. He just, all you got to do is, is, go, is go meet Jesus. And that's where some of us are this morning as you celebrate Christmas. If you would, if you'll bow your head and close your eyes, and I'm going to close, and then we're going to sing, we're going to sing Silent Night. That uh, my prayer is that this morning would be your morning, that holy morning when you and God realize that you want to be a part of his life and that you understand that he's always wanted to be a part of your life. So if that's you this morning with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, the Bible says it's an easy thing that you believe with your heart and you confess it with your mouth. That Jesus is who he says he is. He did show up on the earth as a baby. He lived fully God, fully man. He died. And the Bible says that the same power that God works in our lives is the same power that brought Jesus from the dead. And that now he sits at the right hand. That that was the value of your life. It was worth God's own son. And if that's you this morning, it's a simple prayer. You can simple, simply pray this. If that's you this morning, if you'll just wave your hand at me, I'm not going to bring you to the front. Nobody's looking around. It's just us. There's a couple. And that you would just simply pray this with me. Why don't we all just pray this with those folks that raised your hand? We say, Lord Jesus, today I receive your love. I receive your grace. And I receive your mercy. Forgive me, God, for not being perfect. Forgive my mess. But today, God, I receive your hope and I receive your love. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Why don't you stand with me real quick? I know we're going to have a lot of people traveling this week, and we got, after this, we're all kind of scattering. I'm still praying we're going to have full houses this weekend. That's why we did two services to give you an option of which one to come this next weekend. But I'm going to pray. And bless you, bless your travels and families this week. And I thought it would be nice to leave today, kind of kick off our Christmas week, singing a a Christmas carol together. God, I thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, that what we get to here, celebrate your son who came for us, to celebrate his goodness, his mercy, and what you sent to us in Jesus. God, I thank you that you bring us all safety, God, as we got church families and extended families, 
driving, traveling, flying, going all over the place, God going and coming, that God, that you would watch over us, that you would keep us safe. God, you protect us. You bring us back safe next weekend. Father God, that we would head into the new year with a new understanding of the hope of Christ, the joy of the Lord, and the power that you give us to be a part of changing lives all over this world and mainly here in Sylvania, Father. And we thank you for it now. We thank you for letting us be a part of it. And we give you all the glory and the honor, Father. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's sing.